Thank you for joining us today for the 18th episode of the Whitaker Report podcast, a discussion with thought leaders about the future of economic development, site selection, and corporate real estate. Today we will be speaking with Matt McQuaid, Managing Director of Business Development for One Columbus. Thank you for joining us today, Matt. We appreciate you taking your time. Would you please tell us a little about yourself and the type of work you do at One Columbus? Sure thing, Dean. Well, first of all, it's great to be here and, and thanks for the invite. You and I go back um, some years, have a ton of respect for, for you, what you do and your impact on the industry. So it's definitely a pleasure to be here. I am currently the Managing Director of Business Development at One Columbus, which is a public-private partnership responsible for economic growth in the Columbus region. Been here for 12 years dating back to when the organization launched under the name Columbus 2020, which is probably more familiar to, a, to your audience, uh, been responsible for our domestic sales and business development strategy the entire time. So that means filling the funnel with opportunities. Been lucky enough to manage and execute a lot of those opportunities on behalf of the organization and the region. And as Kenny McDonald, our CEO of One Columbus, has also transitioned to being the CEO of the Columbus Partnership, which is our group of executives of the largest employers and civic organizations in the region. I've also dubbed to the, the four-person leadership team over the One Columbus organization. What changes have you seen in your work over the years? So you've been at this 12 years. What, are, what changes in that period of time have you seen? Well, a lot of changes with the most significant ones, obviously coming over the past two to three years, the, the work of economic development is substantially different, especially in this community than it was pre-COVID. Um, and I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples of that. So one is at least half of our pipeline for our existence was office and information technology opportunities. And obviously, uh, COVID and what that's done to work has changed that. And it's now 90% industrial, 10% office. Continuing to pull on that thread, the amount of manufacturing and industrial opportunity that now exists in the U.S. coming off of COVID and what that's done to supply chains and how companies approach risk and risk management has also depleted the site and building inventory of a lot of communities across the country, Columbus being no different. So not only are we seeing this shift in dynamic of what types of opportunities we're seeing, there's just been so much industrial demand that we're, we're now entering this new era where it's, it's almost like companies and locations have to partner on, on the risk because we are at such a real estate uh, inventory deficit right now in most parts of this country, that that means companies have to sacrifice. They may have to choose a site that doesn't make as much sense because the workforce is there, or they may have to choose a site that makes a lot of sense and have more exposure to things like workforce and talent availability. So we're in this weird new era of economic development, the way the Site Selectors Guild is positioning it as we're in a time of abundance and scarcity. And, and that's what's changed the most. That's very interesting. Well, you've had some exciting announcements, though, in, in the 
recent past uh, with the intel. I noticed on your website when I looked at it, you are the, the go-to person if you have a question about intel. So I thought that was interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about before, during, and after that whole process? Absolutely. So I don't know that we expected to even have an opportunity to compete for something like Intel because the semiconductor industry is not concentrated at all in this part of the country. You've got global foundries in New York, you've got Micron in Virginia, you've got some small pockets in North Carolina and Minnesota, but by and large, domestic chip manufacturing happens in uh, the Southwest. For Intel, that's Chandler, Arizona. So we were not really mobilizing ourselves to try to go after the opportunity. Uh, nevertheless, it presented itself. And we, we very quickly had to put together a strategy around a 1,000 acre opportunity in an industry that we did not know that much about. Luckily, we were able to assemble a great team ranging from Jobs Ohio to One Columbus down to some local community partners approach the opportunity with a lot of agility because there were a lot of challenges and there were some changes along the way, but we were ultimately able to deliver. And earlier this month, we had President Biden here for the official oh. groundbreaking and there is a lot going on on that site it is it is happening the one thing that i didn't mention that was also a big lift that pushed us outside of our comfort zone was the amount of work and effort that took place in washington around getting the mm -hmm. chips and science act pushed through uh, and we can talk a little bit more about that later on but it was really a full court press that only lasted eight months from us wow getting the opportunity to getting the commitment that they would locate here. And this is in an area where there are locations that have been planning and investing for 10 years just to compete for the opportunity that we now have growing here. But needless to say, Columbus, Ohio and the Midwest are never going to be the same in a really good way, having gone through that journey. That's, that's a very incredible story. And in talking to some people from the chip industry themselves, they were a little surprised too. Um, yeah. and, and part of that was um, because of the infrastructure necessary to support a chip facility. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, as you already know, there's a lot that goes into it. And there, that means all kinds of supplier opportunities and some other things that, are, that, that have to take place because there's a lot of things that, that they buy um, yep. from their environment. How are you addressing that, that challenge? Well, I feel like we had a lot of conditioning to do what we're now doing. I mean, obviously, we, we have won many big projects over the past decade. Nothing like this, don't get me wrong, but in a variety of industries. We also had some mega projects that didn't locate here that at least prepared us for this moment samsung had looked here uh nine years ago like that's the one big chip project we got to compete for amazon's hq2 we were one of the finalist communities there that was a major major undertaking that requires really good stakeholders at the table and a lot of collaboration and teamwork and then foxconn which you know eventually ended up in 
Wisconsin and didn't go the way that that company had planned, but also very large scale manufacturing opportunity. So we had some experience to get us to where we are right now, having the right people at the table. And that's what I really think it all comes down to. You have to have the right partners. You have to have the right team. You have to be pulling in the same direction. We knew what some of the big lifts were going to be from an infrastructure perspective. We also knew how to approach positioning both our market, Ohio, and I guess the Midwest in general as a market of untapped opportunity. Look at all the engineering schools that are in the Big Ten that kind of surround the state of Ohio anchored by OSU here in our market. Look at the natural resources that we have in terms of the water that we're sitting on top of in this market. So there's education, there's energy, like AEP's network operations center is essentially located right next door, American Electric Power, one of the largest investor-owned utilities in the country. So once, once we had the opportunity, we realized that there might be something more there and knew how to position it to Intel to make them believe that we would be a good partner. And that trust just grows over the year to the point where we minimized or mitigated enough risk for them on paper to move forward to where we are today. You hit an important word and that's trust. And that that trust is always earned, I think, uh, in an organization. So obviously you, you made a commitment and you delivered on that commitment, which I think helps. We are delivering on that commitment. So this is, this is something that's going to happen over a generation, but you know the, the development of this new campus is, is probably going to happen over 10 to 20 years because they're just doing one phase, which is two fabs, and they can ultimately expand out to eight to maybe even 10. So, I mean, we are delivering as time goes on, but that trust became so great that we are, you, you talk about the support network. It, it does just go beyond like talent for Intel, infrastructure for Intel. There is a supply chain that is following them here that doesn't exist in Ohio right now. And we are essentially working in lockstep with the company to get in front of their suppliers, understand what their needs are, and executing on those needs like we would any other opportunity. It seems like this particular project could become all-consuming. Uh, I know you have a a significant staff, but but this is a huge amount of effort. Uh, yeah, it's it is very consuming, but it's it's not falling on the shoulders of any one organization. We could not have done this without Jobs Ohio. So that is again, you can pull on this thread of Intel coming here, and it will take you all the way back to 2010 and 2011 when this community realized that they need to mobilize around economic development and the state realized that they need a new approach to economic development, which is Columbus 2020 and Jobs Ohio being created. So back to the team. So you've got us, which is a well-capitalized, well-staffed economic development organization. You have Jobs Ohio, same thing. You have the city of New Albany, which just look at who they've attracted in the past 10 years. They know what they're doing. They do a great job. And then you have the New Albany Company, which is a developer in that area 
that uh, acquires master plans and prepares land for development, all working on various pieces and parts of this. So it's not falling on any one organization. We've got a tremendous team that, again, if it wasn't for each link in that chain, I don't know that we would have gotten Intel, but collectively we're so strong that it it's consuming, but it's not all consuming. There's still capacity to do plenty of other things. And actually, it's more important now that we do those other things than ever because there are going to be pressures associated with this growth. And we want to make sure that our companies and our communities are staying competitive and ready for opportunities. So it's even more important now that we're doing everything else and not just focusing on Intel. Every place that I've worked in the last, I don't know, five or six years has the same issue of talent attraction and meeting the workforce needs of a company. What are you doing relative to, to meeting their workforce requirements? It's comprehensive. So Jobs Ohio is running point on uh, the talent strategy for Intel in partnership with Intel and One Columbus. But you've got to tap every piece of the talent pool possible uh, to make this work. And I'll just walk through a couple of examples of how that's going to look over time. So first of all, because this is a new part of the country for the industry, we've got to recruit people here that have worked in it before. There are a lot of people, and, and that's not going to be as difficult as one might think, because there's a lot of people that are from Ohio or were educated here that went to the coast to work in the tech industry because those opportunities didn't exist closer to home. And as many people in Ohio and Michigan know, especially when you get to the point where you're starting a family, it becomes a lot more challenging to live in those coastal areas. So we are marketing to those pockets of the country where there is experienced semiconductor talent and marketing, relocating back to Ohio to work in the industry here with an emphasis on people that have existing ties to the state. So that's, that's one example. Number two is with workforce development and education. A significant portion of bachelor's degrees that will work within these fabs, which is a significant portion of the overall workforce, are right out of college and receive training through co-ops and apprenticeships. Intel is going to start recruiting out of universities in Ohio and the Midwest, more broadly speaking, essentially now, so they can recruit college students into an apprenticeship an apprenticeship or co-op, relocate them for a summer or for some time to existing fabs. So by the time they graduate and are offered a job with the company, they are experienced. They've done it already. So there's another element of the pipeline to tap. Same thing goes for technical schools. Like This is going to do a tremendous job of lifting up our technical schools and community college in importance and prominence in the state of Ohio. There's a lot of funding going in that direction, but these are new opportunities for our residents that are normally in career while they're going to community college for a very lucrative, stable, and unbelievable job once they come out. So community colleges and tech schools are a thread. In Ohio, those institutions are very well connected with K through 12. So that curriculum gets pushed down further. So students are prepared for the curriculum once they get into community college. Underserved groups like minorities, populations that typically are disconnected from jobs in one way, shape, or form for a variety of reasons, diversity, equity, and inclusion, big deal for Intel, big part of the talent strategy. Veterans, I mean, you can see like 
it takes a comprehensive approach and we're looking at each element of that pipeline to make this work. We are incredibly confident that it will work. People have been moving to Columbus for a long time anyways. This is just another reason for them to do so and a very good one at that. One of the other questions is about I assume that's another thought on your process in terms of you have to, so if you're going to attract these people, they have to yep. have housing. How are you addressing that issue? It, it is a major issue. And that's one element of this that I, I can't give you the answer uh, because we are still working in the community on what the best approach is going to be. And that could take many forms. We were we're anxious about it. Don't get me wrong. We were a lot more anxious when the announcement occurred and interest rates were still around 3% and homes in Columbus, you know, would have 40 competing offers and then go way above asking. That's not happening anymore in this interest rate environment. So the pressure has been alleviated a little bit, but we know it will come back. And we also know as a community that we've been building about 5,000 fewer homes annually than we need to, to keep up with our growth. So there's a lot going on there right now. I don't have an answer for you at this moment in time, but we absolutely understand it's an issue and are working on what the best solution or number of solutions will be. Where do you see this uh, taking Columbus say, over the next five years, maybe 10 years? What, is it, what does it look like down the road for Columbus? It changes the future, no doubt about it. We were... We were already at this organization incredibly bullish on what the next 10 years look like based on all of our success before we landed Intel. I mean, we, we met our decade-long goals two years early, and nobody thought we could even meet those when they were determined back when Columbus 2020 was being formed. So we were already really confident, but chips are the new oil. You know, they are going to be the most important product, resource, whatever you want to call it, geopolitically in the world for years and years to come. I mean, Intel is doing this because in their mind, in the federal government's mind, the, the amount of chips that are manufactured overseas is not sustainable for our national security and economic health moving forward. So that's why they're, the, the industry is so active in the US right now. And the number of chips that are required are only going to grow. So I feel like that is going to make Columbus an even more coveted location because of the technology and thus the talent that's going to be here for years to come. So it, I mean, it radically changes the complexion of this market in a very good way. Our hope is what this does is it ends up closing gaps and improving inequality based on the number of jobs that are coming in here, the diversity of jobs and what that's going to do to educational and workforce development opportunities. Uh, you've got an incredible story underway. I'll say it that way. <laughs> you, you've written the first two chapters of the book. Now, now there's. When we were getting ready to relaunch as One Columbus a couple of years ago, our CEO, uh, Kenny McDonald, would go around and, and you know, give presentations 2000 and 2010 and then present day. And I mean, even before Intel, nobody had the vision that Columbus could become in 2019 what it was 
And that really excites me for 2030, just because if we didn't know that we would be in this position now, who the heck knows what things are going to look like in 2030. We've got a lot of work to do, but it's going to be great. We've got, we've got a very unique community that works together better than I think anywhere else in the country. So we're going to capture the moment and make sure that it makes the biggest impact for as broad of the population as it can. So that kind of leads me to a, 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 maybe a, a, a bigger question. Where do you see economic development going? I mean, how is it going to be changing too? Obviously, Columbus is changing. Your uh, community is changing. But how do you see overall economic development changing in the years ahead? Uh, you've got to be incredibly agile right now just because things are happening. I mean, the rate of change continues to accelerate. And we've been saying that for 10 years and it hasn't stopped accelerating. So it's going to require more agility than it ever has in the past. The forces that are pushing industrial development into the U.S. aren't dying down anytime soon. And I think it gets back to what I mentioned at the beginning of this call, where companies, site selection consultants, and economic developers are going to have, have to have stronger partnerships than ever, because I don't see us getting out of this scarcity dynamic anytime soon, because it takes a while to get a site ready for development. And the demand for companies to expand in the US isn't going down anytime soon. So th those are the, the two biggest areas. And, and when I talk about scarcity, I'm only talking about real estate right now. That doesn't get into the labor force dynamics that are challenging everybody right now. So it's just going to take agility, flexibility, collaboration on mitigating the risk as companies try to execute uh, an expansion. How can our listeners learn more about One Columbus and, and keep it, learn from what you're doing? And uh, you're, a, you're a trailblazer for sure, and always have been. How can, how can some of our listeners learn more about what you're doing and kind of keep an eye on and learn from your experience? I really appreciate that question. Uh, I mean, Kenny is the past board chair of IEDC. Uh, he and most of us here believe really strongly in the power of economic development. We regularly go to our peer markets to learn from what they're doing. We are always happy, assuming we can make the timing work to host other markets that want to come in here because we love to learn from them on their turf as well and can talk about some of the things that we're doing. I would say that that's the best way. I, I, I really look at our experience over the last 12 years. Granted, I'm, I'm biased, but I, I think this community put together and executed the best playbook for regional economic development that's ever existed. And I feel like talking about Intel is the proof of that because biggest investment in Ohio history, one of the biggest in US history, going into a state and region of the country that doesn't have the industry in the first place. And it's the most important technology in the world. Couldn't have dreamt that in 2010, putting that in Columbus in the same sentence. So I feel like we do have a really good playbook. And there's, there's always a lot that we can all learn from each other. Well, I've always had respect for your organization, especially Kenny, because of his vision and his um, leadership. And I saw it both at IEDC, but I've also seen it over the years in your organization. So uh, hats off to him and, and to your team. I, I went uh, at, on your website and I read the bios of all your, all your team members. 
uh, just to get a sense for how how it's organized and, and what they do. So I would in, in, encourage our listeners to look at your website because I think there's a, a lot to be learned there in terms of how you've staffed the organization and, and what the staff members are, are asked to do. So hats off to you folks. And I wanted to say thank you for the time today and, and for sharing with us some of the view that you have of what this future is going to look like in economic development. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure, Dean. Always great uh, to, to talk to you and always happy to do this. Thanks to Matt McQuaid for helping us better understand the changes taking place in economic development and the road ahead. Again, I'm Dean Whitaker, your host. Thank you for listening.